hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> And welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. My name is Matthew Zachary, and I am a 16-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And my name is Kenny Kane, EVP of Mission and co-founder of Stupid Cancer. And we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. It's not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Time to get busy living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, Surviving Hollywood. We have three really amazing starlets. And what's the male equivalent of starlet? Star. Uh, star? Yeah. Star, star starlets? Star. Okay. On the show tonight, kicking it off in the Survivor Spotlight, the great and powerful Woody Roseland, who is a young adult survivor of osteosarcoma. He's a uh, well-known comedian, motivational speaker, great guy. Uh, returning champion, three-time returning champion, Dean Brown, now going through a uh, second recurrence of ovarian cancer. She's the host and reporter of Sky Living and the entertainment director and manager of the L.A. Bureau. And Brian Bishop, a young adult survivor of brainstem glioma, living with that right now, and he's the sidekick on the Adam Carolla Show. We are really excited to have these guys on. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer. Online at stupidcancer.org, the largest support community for young adult cancer movement. Okay, so welcome aboard. Another fun and exciting round of the Hey Tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes, where we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in Lower Manhattan. All righty. Welcome to the show. Hello. Mr. EVP of Mission. Whatever the hell Hello, that means. Hello, Kenny How are we? How are we? Yes. We are fine. Thank you for asking. We're glad to hear that. Maureen Sweet's back. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? Doing great. Maureen, employee number four. Employee number four. Stupid cancer. And back in the studio, apparently we we must have won something because uh, Andy Gooden's back uh, to help us uh, guest co-host. Welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be here. What did we do right or wrong to have you back with us? It's a lot of fun. Oh, okay. I like hanging out with you guys. Okay, cool. She likes looking at your uh, your solar panel. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. And our wonderful interns, Matt Beck and Tammy Kim, uh, on the voice of radio, the face of radio, from the couch, waving in. Waving from the couch. Waving from the couch. Well, it's not nearly as hot 
tonight as it was last week? No, it's it's adequately. I'm, I am drinking my my venti passion tea <laughs> like it's, like it's the middle of August. Yes, exactly. Although it is nice and toasty. Yes, here. yes, yes, yes. Um, well, we had a really uh, good week because there was no hurricane destroying our city. Correct. Yes. Or snowstorm. Or snowstorm destroying our fair city. Yes. This is exactly. a life life like 3.0 post Sandy. I wanted to. Uh, it was kind of. I think it was old news like a week ago, but uh, Annie had sent me a link to this really disgusting, distasteful post October pink disgusting nonsense. What was that pink disgusting nonsense? Yeah, there's a organization which is basically hawking pink sports jackets for people to wear at funerals for women who passed away of breast cancer. And uh, yeah, I came across it this morning. To go with the pink casket. Oh, it's, God. It's which called, is another thing that I saw. It's called wearthepink.com. Um, I came across it when I was perusing Twitter earlier today and uh, kind of couldn't believe it. I did click on it to get a little more information. I wanted to find out, are they just making a profit off of this? And I did see they do, you know, donate 12% of the money to the American Cancer Society and also another charity which helps out with paying for funerals. But why, they I look, mean, why do they look so cheerful? Is what I want. I mean, it's one thing when you run a funeral home, <laughs> but it, no. It, it, yeah, I uh, I told my coworkers we uh, came across came across this, and I was talking about it, and I said, you know, if I happen to pass away from breast cancer, you know, I'm in remission now, but you know, I can't predict the future, whatever. But I said, if you guys wear these pink sport coats to my funeral, I will come back and haunt all of you. But like, what if you just get hit by a bus then? But you had breast cancer, yeah. but it wasn't the breast cancer that killed you. I actually thought about that, too. And you know what? If people, or like you know, a, you know, a piano falls on you, like Acme style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely I thought about this because I, I couldn't believe it. And one thing I did think of is, you know, people like to do things to be nice, to, you know, raise awareness and kind of honor you. And people sometimes a little misguided thinking that wearing pink or dyeing their hair pink or whatever it does enough for... Raising awareness. My whole thing is it's not going to make one person healthier or not going to help with research or anything like that. But I did think about it, and this is just bad. <laughs> even, even if, you know, you do die in a freak accident or you're just, you know, live to 100 and you just pass away natural causes, but you happen to have been a 30-year-old who, you know, who battled breast cancer, I still, it's, it's, it's just not okay. There is some good news in all of this. Which is their Facebook page has ten likes. Ah, <laughs> so we are. Do clear. they all work there? Right. <laughs> and there's like a, a, a obvious, you know, scripted recommendation for the post for the page. Uh, so I think it's safe to say that we are early adopters of the pink blazer. The pink blazer. I Wonderful. think all you need to know is that the the main thing it's made of is polyester. Yeah. Even better. Itchy, hot. Yeah, fantastic. Quality yeah. fabrics. Yeah, don't wear polyester to my funeral. And don't wear a pink sports jacket. It's right. Just, it's just bad. Just bad. So what else happened this week besides not Hurricane Sandy? Uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving. That's right. Oh, my God. It is Thanksgiving already. The yeah. short, short week. It is Thanksgiving. How the hell did it get to be Thanksgiving already? Answer that, Maureen. I have no idea. It came quick this <laughs> year. It's an early Thanksgiving. So we still, we got some extra November after this. Right. Before Christmas. You guys have plans? Hopefully. Yeah. I'm gonna go to. You have uh, family that likes chicken, right? I'm gonna go to the local, uh, the local Sandy shelter and and eat some. I think it's like the local library. No. <laughs> <laughs> and like watch VHS tapes. No, I, I do. I'm, I will be eating with uh, about 47 family members. Wow. Potentially. Oof. 
I'm going to be hanging with family. I'm what? going to be down south. I'm headed to Alabama. That's right, Alabama. Yeah. Going to be exciting. I could have bring my my, uh, my 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 uh, uh, Ned Beatty music. Ding, 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 ding. So are you going to have like a fried turducken? You know, I actually we we've talked about possibly having deep fried turkey, which would be amazing. I've never uh, had. Yeah, it I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily discard that. Yeah, no, there's not going to be any turducken though. That's my own personal goal for the next. Ten years of my life. It took I hope, I hope uh, wherever you have this fried turkey, I hope they have good homeowners insurance. They have a backyard. I think. Okay. I think what you really need is just space. Yeah. <laughs> in general. Don't do it in the garage. Don't do it. In, don't do it on your on your fire escape you, outside your apartment. You need the platform they shoot rockets off of. <laughs> just shoot the turkey <laughs> somewhere. Two miles, <laughs> two miles <laughs> nice. It's really just an exercising event. You got to find the turkey. I'm trying to find the deliverance song so we could just play dueling banjos. Just for the That's you, from Appalachia. That I was know. those in southwest Pennsylvania. It's gonna work. Welcome to the show where we interject Matthew's musical Our conversation circles around his musical yeah. desires. <laughs> Tonight on a stupid cancer show. Here we go. Dear YouTube, as we pause for the internet, never mind. I give up. Never mind. All right, it's uh, it's seven ten almost. Let's bring out our first guest. I'm really excited to have him on the show. And here is our key music. By the way, trivia question: Does anyone know what movie all the key music is from that I play on the show? Something from the eighties. Yeah. It's not the eighties. Seventies. It's from the nineties. What? Yes. All of this music is from the soundtrack to Get Shorty. Should have made that a trivia question. Trivia question. For for our, our fan base. Yes, exactly. Stay tuned for another one. All right. Woody okay. Roseland is a seven time cancer survivor because you know, it's a contest. <laughs> <laughs> and he's an amputee. He was uh, first diagnosed with bone cancer when he was sixteen years old. He used his knack for finding the lighter side of a situation to help fellow cancer patients. And you've probably seen his videos on YouTube. Uh, it's called a shit. Or stuff cancer patients say to mildly memes of you know things stupid Jewish American princesses saying and whatnot. But uh, he he's talked to Ted. He's all over the place, and I already got fan mail from him for him. Tell him about today. Please welcome to the show, Woody Roseland. How's it going? Hey, buddy. I received um, three emails today from people who wanted to know. And this is nothing against their intellect, but they wanted to know how they listen to the show. Because they're huge fans of yours. I mean, I was nice and I sent the link, but apparently you've done a lot of work with a bunch of charities this year, and, and you've made a real big impression, and I'm thrilled to have you here. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Glad uh, glad we made it work. It's kind of, I was supposed to be on a couple weeks ago, but then something happened, so good to be here. No, it is good to be here. So, uh, so let's let's just kick it off with your in- insanely extraordinary story. Again, like I, we joke, that it's not a contest, but seven times—that's impressive. Why don't you take us back to the beginning? Um, okay, yeah, I was initially diagnosed in 2007. I was training for football my senior year of high school, and I had this lingering pain, and uh, I just kept training. I went to my doctor. She said I pulled something, so. I have a tumor growing in my knee, and I'm doing toe touches. So that ended up not working, actually. So eventually I had to start doing chemo, and I had a complete knee replacement. I did more chemo, and then uh, it kept coming back in my lungs. It came back to my lungs a whole bunch, and then eventually they found a four-inch tumor in my calf. 
And so we amputated my leg and got me started back on chemotherapy. And since then, it's come back in my lungs a couple more times. I actually just had surgery this morning to remove the tumors from my lungs. So, Yeah, I was going to say, like, it takes balls, pun intended, which you still have, but it takes balls to have surgery and then come on the Stupid Cancer Show the same night. I figure what better time to come on the show than the day of my surgery, you know? Right. I mean, it's... It's kind of like, you know, it just goes to show that, like, cancer is not convenient, you know. <laughs> you know it I think that's the first time someone said yeah. that. That's funny. So, so yeah. all right, so let's talk talk us through, because, again, like, it's hard to put all this into about 10 to 15 minutes, but, you know, you're 16. It's this ongoing thing. Around, how old are you now? I'm 22 years old. God bless you, man. Sorry. So you're going through high school. You have a life, and you have friends. Talk us through the, the, you know, a lot of the challenges that we discuss at Stupid Cancer or how it's very different to have cancer as a teenager and a young adult versus cancer when you're 6 or 60. Can you uh, just, you know, give us a, yeah. a, a, a couple of bites into what your life has been like? Um, absolutely. I mean, I've, uh, you know, I've, got, I've gone through college having cancer. I've had, like, surgeries, amputations, you know, all while trying to live, you know, a life, uh, you know, that's pretty normal, you know, for my age, and, you know, cancer kind of gets in the way, and, uh, I mean, like, I've, uh, I've, had, I've had days where I've had to do chemo and then go into work and use the wait tables and had to pay rent, and so, you know, doing chemo, going to work, um, you know, yeah, having my leg amputated, that, you know, that was definitely the biggest uh, thing that was, like, tough to overcome. I, you know, found out that I needed to have my leg amputated at this bit. So, all right, let's back up. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm, a little soaked up right now. My bad. I'm trying to <laughs> so have a coherent thought We here. all are. Uh, yeah, Kenny, really cool. Kenny did not have surgery today, and he has no excuse. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just a junkie. <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, I uh, so I did this drug trial, and I thought everything was going good. Um, my scans were coming back clear on my lungs for the first time, and I was super stoked kind of get back to normal life. And I just had this, like, pain in my calf, and it got worse and worse and worse. And they told me that it was from my knee replacement surgery that I had years before, that it was super typical. So I didn't think anything of it. So I had this, like four-inch tumor growing in my calf. I was probably taking, like, 10 to 15 ibuprofen a day just just to be able to get through the day because I was working two jobs and going to school. And so I was on my feet basically the entire day, just, like, you know, always, always in pain. Um, and so that, you know, that's kind of one of the things that, like, you're talking about, trying to live your life while having cancer. And I didn't even realize it was cancer at the time. And then eventually... They found that it was a tumor and had the leg amputated. But for a while there, probably like three or four months, I was just like limping around work, taking as much like ibuprofen. As, it was probably like a very unhealthy thing to do, but taking some ibuprofen and, you know, just kind of doing what I had to do to get through. And which I think is kind of like most of the people I talk to that are younger, they just do what they have to do to you know, get by, you know, it kind of, you know, people, you know, like I've 
you know, people are always like, oh, man, like, you're so inspirational, all this stuff. But really, like, it's just you do what you got to do, and you hope for the best, and you work hard, and you just kind of grind it out. Yeah, Woody, I first learned about you from your uh – your YouTube video, I think I saw it on Twitter because I think uh, Livestrong retweeted it and I watched it. And I was actually going through chemotherapy at the time when I saw it. So you have over 141,000 hits on YouTube. That's pretty amazing. But what, you know, who, did you get the idea to do that or did someone, you know, give the, give you the idea to make that video? I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. Especially people uh, who have been through chemo, like you, you pretty much hit every every nail on the head. It's uh, it's pretty funny because I'll have people who've never had cancer, and they'll write me and they'll be like, "Hey man, there's nothing funny about that video. That's just terrifying." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I I hope you can never relate to that video." But I had, I mean, there were all the other videos. I think it started with uh, "Stuff Girls Say," and then mm-hmm. just everyone started making their own version. And so I was like, "Well, like I don't see why not." And I realized that there was probably like a two or three week window. You know when uh, that that fad was still going to be going on, so I uh, just brought my dad's camera into chemo one day and wrote down some different funny things I thought on my phone and recorded it. I recorded it, I edited it, and I posted it all during chemotherapy that day. Wow! Yeah, it came out it came out really awesome. I like my I think oh. my favorite part is probably the uh, I'm beeping. I'm yeah. beeping. Yeah. I, that yeah. drove me and crazy. Actually, at the end of the video, I'm actually throwing up. That yeah. was that was legitimate. Wasn't pulling any punches there. That's commitment. That's method acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was like, a, "What? It, it can't be a cancer video without like a chemo-induced throw-up." Right. Exactly. Take us through the, I guess the the subsequent things that happened. So you posted the video, and then what? What was? Um, yeah, it actually, it was probably took about a month and a half. Like, it it didn't really go viral until Livestrong shared it. But I've had some really cool opportunities through uh, the video. There's a charity based out of Columbus, Ohio, called Pelotonia, and they're a grassroots bike event. And um, they donated 100% of the money they raised to cancer research. And so they contacted me, and they were like, hey, Woody, we saw your video, and we want you to be part of our video for opening ceremonies this year. So I flew out to Columbus, and they pitched me on this video where I go from New York to D.C. to Chicago to San Francisco, all just filming this video um, about cancer. And I was, like, sold. So I was able to do that video, and then they brought me back out to Columbus, be the keynote speaker at their event. Uh, so I spoke in front of 10,000 people. And the check presentation ceremony was actually last weekend. They raised $16.9 million. So that was uh, that was probably the coolest thing that came from the Shit Cancer Patients Day. That's awesome. And you got to meet Tim Tebow, right? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, Tim Tebow wasn't because of the video. I uh, He was starting a charity in Denver. Uh, or like starting like a branch of his charity in Denver where he wanted to meet some for the game. So he called Make-A-Wish and was like, hey, do you have anyone in mind for me to meet? And they were like, yeah, you got to meet Woody. Nice. So, and you're from Aurora. Cool. I am from Aurora, Colorado. Cool. You have to teach me the ways of how to meet Tebow because I'm a Jets fan. Oh. So he's our property now. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, just, I don't think he's going to stick around. He's not a... 
I know. Well, you know what? Sanchez is not looking so good, so we might need him. True. But I, um, my friends always joke around, like, how can you take advantage of, you know, the whole cancer card? How? So do you just put a thing in for Make-A-Wish and they give you a call? Uh, no, actually, because um, I do a lot of speaking for Make-A-Wish. I'm actually mm-hmm. the spokesman for Colorado Make-A-Wish 30th anniversary. And okay. So, I mean, I've done a lot of fundraising with them. I got a Make-A-Wish in 2008. They took me to Hawaii. The Vince Center stayed really involved with them. So... They actually called me. I got a text, and it was like, hey, you might be getting a call from the Tim Tebow Foundation. Just heads up. I was like, oh, my yeah, God. Just a heads up. Kenny, you might be getting a call from Obama. Heads up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, yeah, so they kind of called me, which is cool. Woody, one but of the things I want to talk about, I'm uh, sorry, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is how, you know, our, our generation, the, I, I'm an old guy and I'm 38, but I was 21 when I was diagnosed, and the, the just the general idea that how we handle our cancer diagnoses and the sort of the surreality of of what that means when you're dealing with this at just a young age when you're really not supposed to be on paper mm-hmm. at least is the use of irreverence and humor and stick poking and and jabbing yeah. that that might make old people uncomfortable because it's not a very traditional way to deal with it. Have you and you are a poster child for doing this exactly the way that a Gen Yer and a millennial should? Because we see this mm-hmm. all the time, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to have out there. Have you ever gotten any flack or feedback or negative response from like really old people who don't understand why you're doing it this way? Um, well, uh, there's been like a few negative comments on the YouTube video. But I feel like it's kind of, like, it's very synonymous to racial humor in that, like, since I'm in it, I can make it. But <laughs> if I wasn't to have cancer and I tried making these jokes, too, it would be like, whoa, dude, like, those are pretty unacceptable things to say. But since I'm experiencing it firsthand, that I'm I'm allowed to, I guess. And all of us can relate. Everyone yes. who's been there. Yes, we, we can. We all know what it's like. So where have you? I saw you. You've spoken to TED several times too. What's your message to the audiences there? Is it? Is it? Is there? A, you know, obviously besides your story, do you do some stand-up? Are you there? What? What's their takeaways uh, after seeing you at a TED event? Uh, at speaking at TED, um, basically, um, I, I tell I tell this uh, I tell this story about uh, this young man I met and him and I battled cancer side by side. His name is Jace and. Uh, we went into remission together, and he ended up uh, getting re-diagnosed and dying from cancer. And, uh, and shortly after his death, I was, um, or like you know, he you know he died of cancer. And I realized that how I got praised for beating cancer, and how me beating cancer, I guess I didn't really beat it, but me surviving from cancer has less to do about like my attitude and more about how. Uh, and it's kind of like more about arbitrary factors, you know. It's not like Chase didn't fight as hard as me, you know. I responded better than he did. Um, and I, I talk about this experience I had where I I was taking the train home from work one day, and this on the there's a train there's a map of all the train stops. On this map, it showed the station we were at, and it said, "You are here," you know, and kind of like how like we are here <laughs> we never you know we never know you know when we're not going to be here and it's up to us 
to, you know, figure out what our calling is going to be while we are here. And so, like, it's time, it's time to get going. It's time to get moving. You are here. What are you going to do about it? Because, I mean, like, I'm sure, like, everyone's been affected. Like, it's always in the back of your mind of getting re-diagnosed and slipping out of remission. And so, you know, just kind of keeping, like, that mindfulness of, like, how precious life is and how, you know, we are here and we need to do something about it. We need to get involved. We need to raise money. We need to help others. So let me, so let me hit that. In our last couple of minutes here, let me hit on a couple of things that are, you know, again, very specific to the fact that you were 16, you know, 22. Did you have to deal with any issues uh, about fertility? Is it the chemotherapy or any of the procedures? Did the doctors speak to you about your ability to maybe uh, still be able to possibly father a child later in life? Um, actually, uh, what happened was I, uh, I did do a type of chemotherapy when I was 16 that was uh, really harsh. And but at the time, uh, I never went to like a sperm bank or anything. And then when I got re-diagnosed like a year and a half ago, uh, we were going to do a similar type of chemotherapy, and they're like, you should go to a sperm bank. And so I went, and they uh, they were like they, they said that like it was basically all wiped out um, from the chemotherapy, but they were able to get a couple a couple samples um, that are currently frozen now. So that if I do want to be a father, uh, you know, they have those. But, yeah, um, definitely the chemotherapy has uh, really hurt that. I'm not sure really if that comes back over time or if that's, like, one and done or exactly how that works. But that that is something I've had to deal with. And, uh, you know, obviously you probably meet lots of cancer survivors and patients now that you may not have without your, your cause celeb. Uh, what are the kind of questions that you get asked by a lot of these younger folks? Um, well, I mean, truthfully, I mean, I, what, what are they asking? Um, I don't know. I, just, I try to just, like, come in and listen to them and hear their story. I feel like that's, that's what they need more than, uh, than answers. I mean, obviously I do share with them answers and anecdotes. But you know, I think you know, I think they need someone who can listen that can relate to what they're saying, and so that's that's what I try and do when I'm, you know, meeting with younger cancer patients or other so, cancer patients. So when you were 16, before all this happened, you're a regular, normal 16-year-old kid. What did you want to be when you were up? Uh, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Well, now you have all the material <laughs> you'll ever need for the rest of your life. <laughs> Who are some yeah. of your comedy idols? Who do you worship? Um, you know, truthfully, I try not to really watch any other comedians because I feel like the more comedians I watch, the more I take away from what they do, and I kind of want my act to be more about me. Actually, the first time I ever did a stand-up comedy was in uh, the fourth grade of the school's talent show. And how'd that go? Uh, it went well. I had a speech impediment. I couldn't say my R's or my L's. So I think I came off as super adorable. It went well. You want, you want to hear uh, you want to hear one of the jokes? All right. Well, I, all right. Woody Roseland presents his fourth grade joke. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so there are three types of people in this world. Those who can count and those who can't. Get it? 
because he didn't say. No, no, because he said three types of people, and he only said two types of people because he can't count to three. I got it. I'm explaining a joke on the air. (laughs) (laughs) You know, fourth grade, I was 10. That's that's pretty decent for a 10-year-old to say that. I'll give you credit for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, all right, so let's wrap up here. We're talking about the prosthesis, you know, being an amputee. Um, yeah, and, and and facing the rest. Of, you, do you want to be the Terminator one day? Or are you going to be one of those guys that like? Um, I am the Terminator. Okay. Because <laughs> I want to make sure that if you have a robotic limb, it can shoot nuclear devices. I mean, we we got we have some stuff in the works right now. Okay. But, you know, I can't really. I'm not at liberty to talk about it. <laughs> what are the? What would you say are the most significant? Um, obvious, obvious, notwithstanding. You know, in terms of uh, insurance issues or replacing it as you grow, or, or are you, you know, is there maintenance and follow-up? What's, what's your regimen for that? For my prosthetic? Yeah. Uh, really, it's um, it, it's just kind of like it's it's a constant. Like, the, my guy who works my prosthetic, his actual job title is called my prosthetist. Uh and uh, it's just like it's an ongoing relationship, you know. It's not like I got my leg, and I was like, "Hey, Dennis, I'll see you later." You know, it's it's a constant relationship. I'm having, you know, a bad day. I'll call him up, and he'll help me out. You know, we're always talking about like things we can do to, you know, get my leg more comfortable, make it fit better. Um, so it's just an, it's an ongoing relationship from, you know, from here on out, basically. Is uh, so. You know, I, right now I have two prosthetic legs, and I'm able to do pretty much everything I want to do. Because when I was first diagnosed, I had a knee replacement. Right. So they put a metal knee in, and those knees are incredibly weak. And there was so much stuff I could not do. I couldn't run, couldn't ski and snowboard, couldn't do a ton of stuff. But then I get the prosthetic leg, and they're so sturdy, and they make prosthetic legs for everything. So I actually gained a lot of ability by switching to the amputation. Well, you are an extraordinary and in- inspiring individual, and um, I'm glad that, you know, I'm sorry we had the scheduling hiccup in the fall, but I think that, uh, you know, you are, again, you're a really wonderful example of how our generation, not our parents' generation, not our grandparents' generation, is dealing with cancer the way we want to on our terms, using humor and irreverence and sort of poking a stick at the system. So, uh, thank you so much. I hope you're able to come out to Vegas next year. We'd love to have you at the OMG Cancer Summit. I would. I would love to come out. I was going to come out this year, but I had I had a surgery, so I wasn't able to make it. Unfortunately. How so dare you have surgery that coincides with our conference? How dare you, sir? I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, thank you very much for all for all the kind words. I, I really appreciate it. That means a lot coming from. Someone like you, a Jew from Manhattan, <laughs> <laughs> or someone who's like a, you know around it so much, and you meet you know people all the time, so that, that means a lot. You're a great Thank guy. You. Congratulations. Hopefully, we'll see you in Vegas. But uh, good luck with everything. Woody Roseland, everybody. Thank you very much. All right. You guys have a great day. Okay. All right. Let's uh, kick off the news here Hello, real quick. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, here at Stupid Cancer, we promote and host hundreds of U.S. events each year, and we don't want you missing out on any of them. What's going on, Kenny? Well, Matthew. (laughs) Hello, Kenny. Hello, Matthew. 
Head on over to events.stupidcancer.org, your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. Something will be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly don't want you missing out. I'm happy to let you know, Wednesday night, right before Thanksgiving, we have a North Jersey happy hour, followed by a Sloan Kettering Young Adult Support Group here in New York City. Nice. On December 4th. And I'm very excited and uh, even more excited and beyond excited to let you know that 12-12-12, December 12, 2012, I will be heading to San Diego for the first ever West Coast Ungala. That's sweet. Yes. Benefiting stupid cancer. Nice. Okay, it is here. It's finally here. We have 60 people who registered in the first week. That's one, that's 10% of the people. That was like Woody's fourth grade talent show. Yes. I can't count. Uh, The sixth annual OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults is live. It's now. It's happening. April 25th through April 28th next spring at the Palms Casino in Las Vegas. Join 650 of your best friends for a -a one-of-a-kind, four-day, life-altering experience. Visit omg2013.org today and register. Also learn more about the Players Club, which is an exciting way to earn travel reimbursement by fundraising. That's omg2013.org. All right, Matthew. The Stupid Cancer Store now has a round 20 awesome products for sale right now. From pins, pens, stickers, and lanyards to an awesome survival journal for the most amazing graphic tees you've seen as I butcher this. Be proud. (laughs) Wear stupid cancer. No, we have racing jet. What? We do. We we have cycling shirts. We have team stupid cancer active tanks. That's nice. For those of you running a tough mutter or participating in any type of marathon. And those are all over at stupidcancerstore.org. And finally, the stupid cancer forums have over 3,000 members. This wow. is your premier online community to connect with survivors, parents, patients, siblings, spouses, caregivers, and more. Just like you, visit stupidcancerforums.org. And sign up with one click through Facebook, and that, that is, is your Stupid, Stupid Cancer, Cancer News. Okay. Now, this is DM's third time on the Stupid Cancer Show. And she's trying to one-up Woody. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm going to Rick Roller, okay? DM Brown is 30 years old and battering, battling ovarian cancer for the second time. First diagnosed at 23 years old while competing on MTV's Real World Road Rules Challenge. Uh, she has a very powerful column for People Magazine. I read it every week. And she's also the founder of MedGift.com. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the lovely Diem Brown. Hi. Welcome back, Diem. Hi. How are you? How are you? You know, it's funny. Um, I know you're you're uh, in the city getting uh, chemo today. Uh, this yeah. seems to be a trend of our guests because our first guest had lung cancer surgery today and called in tonight. So. It's kind of like a battle of the who's got it worse today. <laughs> I think um, the first guy's surgery probably worked. <laughs> okay. Probably beat me out. <laughs> so how are you? I mean, we again, like Andy and I, and Annie, Andy's a uh, 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 guest co-host. So I can't put words together tonight. <laughs> uh, Andy's a, a breast cancer survivor uh, coming up in one year in February, correct? Yeah, almost there. Oh, that's and, amazing. And, Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. So we, you know, and she works in uh, in entertainment, and I, uh, you know, told her all about you. She knows your story, and actually, she knows your sister. I do. I, I have. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, small world. So uh, this is your third time returning champion, and uh, you know, unfortunately, I hate to say, like, want to stop being a guest on this damn show. <laughs> so, um, talk us through for those who aren't reading or keeping up. You know, you were re-diagnosed, and tell, talk, tell us what you're going through right now. Um, I was really diagnosed 
basically in I guess the end of May. Um, and they wanted to do surgery. They got, they got the tumor out, and then they wanted to get the rest of my ovary out just in case there was cancer in it. But as a female, <laughs> I was like, well, I wanted to, you know, preserve eggs as, as, as possible. And I went to eight different fertility doctors begging for someone to give me IVF, like hormone shots, before I had that second surgery. Um, they all said no. And they said it's never been done before. They have not done, um, you know, egg freezing on a current ovarian cancer patient because they just don't know the risks that, you know, just cause the cancer to spread. They have, they have no idea. And I was like, well, if, if, it's so, if it's so experimental, and I'm telling you I'd like to be a guinea pig, make me the guinea pig. <laughs> like, right. I want this. Yep. And, you know, it took me a long time. I finally found an amazing doctor um, at NYU, Dr. Griffo, fertility, absolutely amazing. And I really do believe in it. bedside manner changes everything. And his was just very calm. And he basically says, you know what, since you want to do this, this is great you know, material for us to learn from. And if we can – you know, take some of your cells that we don't use and, and really learn from it, it would be, be really helpful for the future. And it really got me thinking, thinking about, you know, what other people before us had to do to kind of get us to where we are now with the whole cancer. Right. I mean, cancer was a legit death card when, you when you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's like, done. And now you're seeing more and more survivors, and I really think it's because of those people back in the day were very open to, you know, finding new treatments. Right. What's cool is then after, so I did the whole fertility thing, got 10 eggs out, which I was so excited about. Wonderful. And, um, yeah, I have 10 eggs in the freezer, which I'm just blown away because the first time I had cancer, there was no way to just freeze eggs. You only could freeze embryos. Right. And so even that technology advancement is so, you know, mind-boggling. But I had the surgery, and it's a really great thing I had it because there was more cancer in the other last half of the ovary. So got that crap out, too. Started chemo, lost my hair, whole shebang. And but this time, I kind of wanted to be more, I don't be more open with myself, but kind of, you know, you, you look at things that everyone uses every day, from Twitter to YouTube to you know, social media. And instead of hiding from myself, I started videotaping the hair loss and videotaping the process of losing your hair because that's something that I always search for. As weird as it sounds, I think a lot of cancer patients do, you want to see the process. You want to see exactly what's going to happen to you because the unknown is what's scary. And I've gotten some really cool, you know, feedback from kind of just being very open with it. At the same time, people will see me out and I'm wearing like a wig or a scarf. They're like, whoa, I thought you were fine. I'm like, oh, 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 no, no, no. I I'm fine at looking at myself in the mirror. I just don't want anyone else to look at me right. <laughs> yet. Like, I'm not ready for that yet. So it's been funny. Some people are like, oh, no, like, I can't, that's not getting us a good name. I'm like, listen, I'm not, I'm doing my own, this is my own journey. Right, giving us a bad name. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm documenting it and. I'd be a liar if I'm like, yeah, I'm walking out of the door, no scarf on, I feel fine. That's lying. And that makes other people who don't feel fine, you know, not feel worse about not being okay with being out in public with it. So I'm, I, my goal in this whole blog was for People Magazine was to be very honest no matter what response I've got, you know, from doing IVF, I got, like, death wishes because I did IVF and didn't go straight chemo. I mean, people get very wrapped up and very angry about other people's decisions, but I've realized now it's not because they hate me, but it's more so because they've either lost somebody from to cancer, and they're 
and they're so frustrated that they can't fix it. So, you know, they're lashing out in anger that wise. But other, other than those few, you know, percentage of people that would do that, I got so many really nice, amazing emails and, and messages and comments, and I read them all, like good and bad. And it was really amazing to see how many people, you know, were excited to kind of see what the process looked like. Because I had no idea what people's reaction would be to seeing, you know, a, two videos of the whole entire hair loss chemo process. And I'm really, really glad it's out there. It's, it's a resource that I hope people are able to see and understand both as a patient but really as the caregiver as well because so many times I would hear friends and family be like, um, you should be over this by now. Like, you, you know your hair's coming out. I'm like, I know. But the yeah. process is really traumatizing. People so just don't get I it. Understand. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. I watched the video uh, actually yesterday, and it, you know, it's very raw for me. My hair just started growing back. I just stopped wearing my wig, and it's really hard. People, yeah. you know, it's such a part of you, and especially when you have, you know, a type of cancer as a female that hits you, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, ovarian cancer or breast cancer. It really, you know. It's a, it's a lot different as a female to go through that and then to lose your hair and your eyelashes and your eyebrows. You know, you feel like you have to go out in public and have to have, you know, people always say you look great, you look fine because, you, you know, you wear the beautiful long wigs and you wear the yeah. fake eyelashes and you pencil in the eyebrows and, yeah. you know, you kind of do yourself up so that you don't look like a cancer patient. And it's it's really helpful to put videos out there like that so people know yeah. they're not alone and that, you know, the raw emotion of losing your hair, you know, it just, it really helps, especially young women connect because you feel such, you know, and I, your hair is part of your identity. But to your point, it, it's just a, a sign of the times. Like, like she couldn't do this the first mm-hmm. time. When I was diagnosed, it was like prodigy. Okay. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's put this in perspective here. 1995. Okay. So I, no matter what I did, I wouldn't get flack from anybody because mm-hmm. there was no way to, to know about it. I think it's wonderful. You know, I, I'll look at the story of Eric Chanteau, the Olympic swimmer. He mm-hmm. had testicular cancer, but he, he staved off getting treatments to bank his sperm and to wait to finish the Olympics before he had surgery, and he got so much shit for that. But you know mm-hmm. what? He owned it, and no one would have given him shit if it was 1995 because mm-hmm. no one would have known about it. It's his decision, and that's what he owned it. So, so Jim, I think it's just it's amazing that you even got a response because that means people are reading and they care. But that, you know, the fact that you even had this option to begin with is is extraordinary. Oh, I'm I'm so blessed for it, and, I, and I, I'm fully aware of that. And, and it's something that I'm I'm really excited. And what's funny is, like, I wanted to document the whole entire process because as a patient, as we all know, there are things that happen that you're like, really? This is happening right now? <laughs> um, okay, all right, awesome. Like, I just got a wake list from the hospital, and they're all closed. Or they are... You know, just it was some of the things were frustrating, and and it's not because they're you know bad hospital or anything like that. It's more so just because they're just so overwhelmed with patients that some things sometimes that things that aren't life, you know, part of like survival, kind of get pushed to the to the secondary to like the B level of importance, and that's totally understandable. But I really again with the wig thing, I am I am a hair girl, and I and I always hated when I would wear a wig and I. Feel people look at my hairline. Like I could just feel it. Like maybe I was psycho, but I could feel it. But so this time, I really was like, I went on a wig hunt, like a search, and I went to different brands and different types. And you know, I I really love the one I have now. 
because when I don't feel like just putting on a scrunchie hat and a bandana, I can put on a wig and act of, like I said, like no one knows. And it's so it's kind of kind of like a private eye, you know, investigator going out and being like, ha, ha, you have no idea what's going on. Right. You're treating me normal. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. My favorite is when you have to text a friend to let you know what color wig you're wearing. So if they're meeting oh you, my they, God. they know who to look for. Right. Like, I'm very today. True. Look for me. Dean, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about MedGift because, I mean, yeah, we're focusing on because you were unfortunately diagnosed, re-diagnosed, but MedGift is extraordinary, and I don't want it to be left out of our conversation today because, you know, not knowing you would get re-diagnosed, you know, like who thinks about that, I guess, rhetorically speaking. Mm -hmm. You went out and did something extraordinary in the wake of your first diagnosis, and I I just love you to tell our audience uh, all about MedGift. Yeah, well, MedGift, I mean, Chemo right now is very different than chemo when I first had it. You know, when I first had it, I was in the you know, chemo bed all, absolutely all day long, but I was awake. Like, I never got knocked out. Like, I just would stare at the walls. <laughs> and I, again, it all started from a wig. I really, wigs are so expensive, and it's not something insurance, it's really hard to get insurance to pay for. And I don't really, I didn't understand the process of doing that. So basically, I kept on hearing all my friends ask me over and over and over again, what can I do? How can I help? And everyone hears those feelings. And I used to get very angry at that sometimes because I felt like it was empty promises. Oh, like, I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. And I didn't feel like there was a follow-up. And it's not, it, it's, not the pay, it's not the person's fault. It's not the caregiver's fault. They just don't know what to do. So the patient's getting angry because you're hearing, how can I help? And there's a zillion things on your list you, they can help with. But you don't know how to tell them their, you know, twenty, you know, point list. So I decided to kind of look at other stages in people's lives and how we celebrate them. We celebrate birth. How do we celebrate that birth? A baby registry. We celebrate weddings. How do we celebrate that wedding? A wedding registry to get the items you need to start your life. So why isn't there a registry for patients? Why not have something as a patient could list their wigs, list their hospital bills. They can list, you know. Can you drive me to and from treatment? It, I wanted a a vessel for patients to be able to go into and be able to list out their needs, and their friends and family then can go on to that list like they would a wedding or baby registry and select the items that they would like to give their patient. Like your own personal Amazon wish list. Exact, exactly. Without the toaster. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I was the toaster. But it was it was something I was really excited about. And what's funny is that you talk about. You know, the second time, what's hilarious is I never signed up for MedGift, even as a as a beta site, as a patient, because I was terrified that I would jinx myself. Really? Like how, uh, I'm a very, you know, superstitious, kind of craziness. So I didn't really ever know. I knew how to sign on as a guest, but I never, my own website, hadn't tested how to sign on as a patient. So sure enough, the second that I got diagnosed, I signed up. And I, and I found some things I wanted to fix very quickly, like some usability stuff. And, and now, like, I'm on fire. I, I can't really do it in treatment anymore because I get knocked out like today. I just slept all day. <laughs> but I'm on fire about getting that gift to the place where it's perfect. And it's, it's the home for patients to be able to go to and get, like, actual help. And, you know, everyone has their, their thing that they're passionate about, and you guys got to cultivate that. And mine's my gift. And you know you have our support and our board chairman, Dr. Sanders, involved, and and we're oh, really yeah. and he sends his best. So I talked to him today, 
Um, yeah. I want I want to point out something really cool uh, that uh, I mean, among other things that you are cool with and through and, and without, but the AOL 2012 Top Future Maker Award uh, that oh. you were part of this list, and you were the only person in the health field. That was crazy. I was super. I, I was blown away by that. Uh, like that was a huge honor. And looking at that list, legitimately, there were all the people that I would probably write in my high school yearbook of who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I was obsessed with, obsessed with Ellen DeGeneres and Katie Couric, and you know, all Barbara Walters and all these women that are reporters. And and I didn't see. I used to be an entertainment reporter. Like that was my thing. And now. I don't feel like that's my passion anymore, but that my skill set is reporting. And so I kind of wanted to shift gears to kind of really focus on the health side of everything. And not and obviously I'm not a doctor, but sometimes you, you kind of want to get the perspective of a patient or what the patient goes through. Because I think sometimes doctors get a little bit, a little bit numb to, to seeing a patient hurt because they have to. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to do their job every day. Agreed. So I think it's sometimes really good to kind of get the patient's perspective of what to do as a caregiver, what to do as a patient. How do you navigate this? How do you navigate that? And um, I was super excited to be, you know, listed on that AOL honor because it kind of brings a little bit of a focus towards health and towards patients, and that's massive, and I'm hoping I can do more of that. Well, I think that uh, you know you are you are handling this with the uh, a plum and the, the 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 dignity that I would you know expect nothing less of you. You are clearly showing people that you know you can kind of feel the fear and do it anyway. And oh yeah. And and it's just so inspiring. Where can what, what is there a link on people? Or just go to people dot com and search for your name. Yeah, you know, people dot com. You can search my name. Um, on every Thursday, I post a new um, a new blog, and I've been doing it since the very beginning. Since the very beginning of, I mean, back in June. So it's it's neat. Like part of me, like, oh, that's a lot of writing. <laughs> it's like it's it's nice. Like in high school and college, you're like going, oh my god, a term paper. I'm like, cool. If I add this together, that's so that's like that's a lot. That's crazy. Nothing I mean, like cancer to make study. you prolific. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's just what's funny. It's it's just putting yourself out there, whether it be writing or videos or whatever, it really is a great resource to kind of get your emotions out there. And who, whomever you are, maybe you don't have to share it to the world, but maybe it's a little piece for you so that when you're having a bad day, say a year from now, you can look back at your writing or look back at video and be like, all right, my day's not that bad because that day sucks. You know, like it's it's kind of a good talk about tumor markers and when you talk about cancer, this is kind of like a life marker in a weird way to show, all right, here was here was I when I was at my lowest. I'm a year later and I feel great, so my little lowest is nowhere near my lowest a year ago. So it's, for me, I kind of can look at these videos and some of my writing going, ooh, I would have had a bad, dark day that day. I'm not there, so I can, all I can do is be thankful. Well, I really do hope you're able to come out to Vegas next spring uh, to join us. Love I know you it. couldn't make it this year. <laughs> Not that you need another excuse to have two cancers on your belt, but we, we would be thrilled to have you there. And there's so much coverageable. Is that a word? Coverable? What's the media? Coverage? It's so much stuff to be covered. 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 Yeah. Uh, over four days with 650 people. It would be an honor to have you there. 
I would love to come. If if, if I can make it, I'm I'm going to be there. <laughs> Fantastic. And all right, so I mean, I'd like to say enjoy the Big Apple, but you're kind of here for chemo, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting used to the Big Apple. Right. It's it's help. It's been a great little you know incubator for health right now. <laughs> right. Well, God bless you. Three times a charm here on the Stupid Cancer Show. Uh, good luck with everything, and we will be in touch. Dean Brown, everybody, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Okay. Okay. Our next guest. Great man. Brian Bishop, frequently referred to on uh, broadcast as Bald Brian and on Twitter at Bald Brian, is an American radio personality best known for his appearances on the Adam Carolla Show podcast and its previous radio version. He's currently living with brainstem glioma and is joining us from Los Angeles tonight. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Brian Bishop. Brian. Hey, Matthew. How are you? Good evening, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great, man. How are you doing? How is your non-hurricane-destroyed uh, uh, city feeling? Um, it was. It's fine as far as I can tell. I've only been back. I live in Los Angeles. I've only been back here for about an hour. I was in San Francisco all weekend. What were you doing there? Uh, we had some live shows at Cobb's Comedy Club, and I'm from uh, the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. So it was a cool. Uh, it was a cool homecoming for me to go back and see the old, uh, you know, the old neighborhood, as it were, and see some people, some family and friends, and perform to the home crowd. So it was fun. It was a really good time. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, our story is uh, is wonderful. We met um, indirectly through a, a mutual friend, or actually a fan of yours. Um, who put us in touch on Twitter, and I remember when I followed you on Twitter, you immediately retweeted, great, I'm being followed by at Stupid Cancer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had never heard of your organization at that point, and I was like, uh, you get notifications from, from Twitter, and all of a sudden it said, Stupid Cancer is now following you, and I think my, my, post, my post was something like, I can't get away from cancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was awesome, it was awesome. And, and then uh, we've, been, we've since fallen very much in love. Yes, it's 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 a true love story. Two bald men. Yes, <laughs> two, two, two bald Jews. Yeah, and uh, we uh, we had a great time. We wanted to stand up to cancer together, and we got yeah, to go head, head backstage and see a bunch of people uh, see the show. And I just been you know we've been following each other, and I'm really really thrilled that we can make this work tonight. Um, I'm hoping you could just you know we we don't get a lot of uh, brain tumors, brain cancer on the show. It's just there's no rhyme or reason for it outside of the fact that I had it and I'm on every show, but. To to have someone living with what you're going through and the arc of your story, it's, it's really inspiring, and I'd just love you to start from scratch to let our crowd know uh, who you are and what's going on. Sure. Well, I uh, let's see. I, I, I guess the easiest way to start would just be, you know, I was diagnosed in early '09, and I'd just been on the radio show, the Adam Carolla show, which was syndicated throughout, you know, a whole bunch of, it was, it was, remember when Howard Stern went off the air and went to uh, Sirius XM and right. they programmed a whole bunch of stations with other, you know, people, David Lee Roth and everything. And Corolla was the guy they gave a whole bunch of the West coast markets to. And I was the psychic on the show. It's kind of the Fred Norris uh, of the show. Right. And, uh, so did that for three years. They flipped the format on us. So I was out of a job in early 09. And then like two months later, I was diagnosed with brain cancer. Uh, so that was a, that was a rough couple of months. Um, and then, uh, you know, the long story, which I'm sure you've gone over on your show with various people, just treatment and recovery and the highs and the lows, mostly lows. But then, you know, they put me on um, a newer medication, and, and I, I took to it. 
and slowly but surely, you know, incrementally, you get better, a little better every day, and you look back, and here I am, whatever it's been, three and a half years later, and, uh, you know, definitely heading in the right direction. I mean, there was a time where I wasn't doing quite so well, you know, and, and now um, things are looking things are looking good. One of the things that I, I would love to have you uh, share with our audience is, uh, you know, the idea of living with cancer is kind of a new idea. You know, I mean, it's phenomenal that there's been progress that this can be something today where it isn't the death sentence that it was, you know, 15, 16, 17, even maybe even five years ago for some cancers. But talk us through your life now because there is no immediate, you know, uh, like finish line. It's it's progress. It's process. This is part of your life now. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure it's been brought up on your show before, but when people in my position who have brain cancer or maybe any type of cancer, they, they get maybe MRIs or some sort of checkup every whatever it is, three months, four months, six months, whatever whatever the turn is. I go for about every three months. It used to be every every month I would get a checkup, an MRI. Doctors wanted to see how I was progressing and if my tumor was growing or shrinking or staying the same. And now I'm about every three months. So it's a weird thing to sort of – it's human nature, I think, because I've heard it said before, but, you know, you get sort of a three-month path you know what I mean, to live your life. And then it's like, well, here we go again. We're going to check and see how I'm doing. If I get another three-month pass, then we'll do it again in three months. And you've got to have, you kind of have to break yourself psychologically, you know, free from those chains. You know, life is for the living. And if you live your life a month at a time or three months at a time and you don't make, you know, plans to get married or settle down or buy a house or move or have a kid or whatever, whatever get a dog, whatever that thing is, you know, next thing you know, you're going to be, you know, five years down the road, and you're going to be like, I probably should have taken better advantage of my time. So it's just, a, and, and everyone's different, obviously, but I choose to sort of put myself in the psychological place where, hey, you know, life's for the living and damn the torpedoes and uh, let's, let's move ahead because I don't want to be, you know, three, five, ten years down the road being, oh, man, I really, you know, I, I wasted so much time being, hesitant, I guess is the word, just, just not uh, not diving in and enjoying life. I spent too much time doing the opposite, and I don't want to be like that. And how do you feel, you know, on a day-to-day basis as far as, you know, treatment goes? You know, do you still, you're still working full-time. You know, you sound like you lead a very full life and don't let this hold you back at all. Oh, no, no. Every, every day is pure hell. No, that's yeah. not true. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got me. <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, you know, luckily... The, the medication that I'm on has, has pretty uh, few side effects, and I really don't feel much other than a little bit of fatigue maybe the day I get my infusions. But other than that, you know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a job, uh, the podcast, where it doesn't, it's not taxing physically. You know, I, I do a lot of thinking and a lot of talking and all that stuff, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a fortunate position where it's a job that I can excel at uh, with, um, you know, during my recovery and as I continue to get better and hopefully I'm good at it, but, you know, you craft your life to where you surround yourself with things or people or whatever that that you can, you know, do or accomplish or whatever those things are, I guess. One of the wonderful things in meeting you was meeting your other half, which you may call your better half. I think she's extraordinary, and you are very fortunate to have her in your life. Yeah, you're talking about, you're talking about my wife, right? Hmm? You're talking about my wife, right? It wasn't me. I, I'm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Chris, Christy, my wife, is. is uh, she's. Um, you can't. I cannot overstate how important she is to me and how great she is. She's, she's fantastic. 
Right, because she was with you throughout the whole thing. We were engaged uh, when I got diagnosed. And, I mean, you know, it would not have been – I do not think she would have been the first person to sort of bow out of a situation like that, to be like, you know what, this is a little too much for me to handle, uh, a little too intense, uh, good luck, God bless. But, no, she is, a, she, a, you know, she's everything uh, she's cracked up to be. She's a pretty amazing person and, and was my caretaker. You know, we got married and I just finished my radiation, and I was pretty messed up, and it wasn't uh, – I didn't get to enjoy my wedding the way most people do, but then again, I was happy to get married and, you know, to be with the person I was supposed to be, and – you know, when you're the caretaker, you're just as much in it as the sick person, as the person who's going through the sickness. And so that's how it was for Christy and me. Um, you know, she went through it as much as I did, maybe even more so, because I had the benefit of being radiated. I, I had the benefit of not knowing what was going on half the time. Whereas she, you know, she was very aware of my limitations and how sick I was. And I think my my subsequent rebounds and uh, improvement has been as much beneficial for her as it has been to me. What I think speaks to Christie's character is that her her blog back when you were diagnosed was called an inconvenient tumor, like this. Right. Like the thing is a convenient tumor, but it speaks to this attitude that we have towards the the inanity of of what's really happening. I I th- what she does for a living is fascinating. Um, I I'll butcher it if I try to explain it. It's like food photography for for blogs, but it's so much cooler than that. When you want to explain. Oh, well, it's just it's it's just it's just her hobby, but she does it so well. She makes it look like it's professional. Like, okay, she's a food blogger. That's uh, it. And the good news, the good thing about being a food blogger and not being her full time job, she does it as a passion. She can write about whatever she wants. Because a lot of times, bloggers are sort of beholden to sponsors or bosses or whatever. She just writes about whatever she wants. So I think she's currently in the middle of like a. 10 days to Thanksgiving, 10-day countdown of, like, recipe ideas and trends and just fun, interesting stuff. And you can check it out at PardonMyCrumbs.com. I'm sure she'd appreciate the PardonMyCrumbs.com. Yeah, it's, it's all just interesting food news and food photography, and she, just took a, she took a photography class, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, just because she wanted to take better food photos. And uh, it's the uh, point that when we go out to dinner, and I this, have a, just, this just happened last night. We went to dinner, and she'll pull over the dinner and be like, it can come to our table, and she's like, hold on, don't eat yet. I <laughs> wow, it looks good. Can I come to your house for Thanksgiving? Yeah, Kenny, she puts you to shame. Yeah, I was going to say that I got my doctorate in photography uh, through the Instagram University. <laughs> <laughs> so you are involved um, with the National Brain Tumor Society, which is an organization I fully support. They're wonderful. They do great work. Um, and I've actually known them since they used to be two different organizations that came together to do even better things. And you raised, you were the chairman of the L.A. Walk, correct? Yeah. They, they, so the NBTS, like you said, does does walks all over the country to raise money for brain tumors and research and all that stuff. And uh, they had never done a walk in Los Angeles, which is a little strange because it's obviously a big, big market. There's a lot of people and a lot of money out here. Uh, and so they're like, we got to do an L.A. Walk. And they somehow ended up, they, they must have been scraping the bottom of the celebrity <laughs> barrel because they, they asked me to be their chairman of the first ever L.A. walk. And, of course, so many people have been so good to me and so generous when I was, you know, going through the worst of it through the podcast and all of our fans and strangers to me were just so generous and beneficial to what I was going through that I jumped at the chance. I was like, absolutely, I would love to. I'm going to raise as much support as I can and awareness and go on other shows and promote it. And then we, it was, uh, geez, it was less than a month ago, we raised a quarter of a million dollars, and it was the first one we'd ever done. So hopefully next year, you know, bigger and better. 
Yeah, incredibly impressive for your for the for the virgin tour of doing that. Really amazing. Yeah, thanks. It was it was very uh, gratifying, and uh, like I said, I, I I think our goal was much less, you know, but to raise that much money, knowing that hopefully in year two and year three and on and on and on, we can do even bigger and better things. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. And you know, we're gonna wrap in a few minutes, but I want to talk about you know this is a show about young adults with cancer and the uniqueness of young adults with cancer. Dean was talking about how you know she uh, you know she has to deal with fertility now, but no one has ever. Uh, done um, IVF or, 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 or cryopreservation on someone who's already had cervical cancer that had one ovary left and had been re-diagnosed with cervical cancer. Ovarian. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I meant over. Yeah, one, two, two cervical, two cervical, <laughs> two ovaries, and how it's it's amazing sign of progress that in this day and age we can even have that conversation. But you had the benefit of being made aware of sperm banking, and you you were very open about that. Yeah, I, I don't have ovarian cancer, but I did bank my sperm before I was treated with the radiation. Because obviously the radiation will mess up your sperm pretty badly. And it's funny you mention that because my wife and I are just sort of starting to seriously, you know, have the discussions about, you know, let's let's have a kid. And that's going back to your, your point from five minutes ago, which is you wait too long. You spend too much time worrying about what if. Next thing you know, time has passed you by and you're like, man, probably maybe should have had a kid five years ago. and. I don't want to get to that point, and neither of my wife. And you know, we're we're in a good enough place where it's like let's let's um, you know things have been going well for us. Let's uh, let's consider doing it. So we're gonna we're gonna get the wheels uh, put the wheels in motion as it were, and uh, hopefully that'll be a reality for us in a year. Or so. And you are going to be speaking at the OMG Cancer Summit in Vegas. Hell yeah! Listen. I, I I don't want to take any chances. I've already I'm I'm going out to Vegas next week and I'll be there until April. <laughs> <laughs> just t- just stake out a room in the corner. I'll be like Howard Hughes. I'll I'll just get, I'll just buy the hotel and I'll stay on the top floor. All right, we're gonna take we're gonna lay odds at the at the tables on how long your fingernails are gonna get between now and April. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, we're really thrilled to have you, and and it's just an amazing story. It was wonderful to be introduced to you, and to sort of you know to, to be friends with you now. And and I will, it's a date. Every time I'm in LA, I will I will make a make a beeline to see you guys for lunch. Cool, that sounds great. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me to the summit in uh, in um, April. I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be a fun time. All right, thanks so much, Brian. Take care of yourself. Give my best to Christy, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Will do. You do. You guys do the same. Okay, Brian Bishop, everybody. He's a really cool guy. He's a really cool guy. Just from one radio show fanatic to another. Yes. He's also raised an amazing amount of money. In his first time out? Yes. Yes. Uh, Very impressive. Extremely impressive. And uh, I wish him all the best. All the best. Okay, well, now it is time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's tonight's show, our 245th broadcast. We'll have to do something... uh, in five weeks, it's going to be epic. For 250? Bracketed epic. I'm oh, thinking of keg in the studio. Thank you. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a sick at stupid cancer. Okay. Same and Kim, Matt Beckett, live from the couch. Thanks, guys. 
All right, we've got here Maureen Sweet, Annie Goodman. Thank you. Mr. Kenny Kane. Thank you. And our guests, Woody Roseland, Dan Brown, and Brian Bishop. Thanks so much, guys. Next week's show, we are having the comedian Tig Notaro on the show. She's dealing with breast cancer right now. And we're going to do a special feature with Lauren Scott and Jerry Choto, who run the uh, Stupid Cancer Teen Universe in Reno, Nevada. She's one of our epic spokespersons. If you've missed any of our past shows, download them all for free on iTunes at itunes.stupidcancer.org. Or check out the archives anytime at stupidcancershow.org. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the chemo deck on behalf of Kenny Gaines, myself, and our whole team here at Stupid Cancer Show. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday live at 7 p.m. Eastern. Later, peeps. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a good one. In this world, too many soldiers are serving multiple tours, so... Oh. Uh-huh.